Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. NFL Combine will kick off in Indianapolis this week. PK's about to give you a preview. That's in 20 minutes. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network. Glad you're with us. We're live at 6th and Peabody, our daily home, our studio. 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Everything made right here on site in Music City. We're in the heart of Music City, a block from Broadway. You can join us the next time you visit Nashville. Just search out 6th and Peabody and check out Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, Chad, watched the end of the Nets and Bucks game on Saturday night. I'm not sure why. Yeah, I was we'll just going to say, what I don't know why. That? Don't know why, but it does include uh, some headlines with Kyrie Irving, who um, is still unable to play in home games for the Nets, despite New York and uh, the new mayor there lifting the vaccine mandates across the city. And this impacts him because he is almost grandfathered into this rule where he's not able to play. He can practice. But he can't play because the public will interact with him. And I'm, I'm just like, I, again, I, I see this stuff and it just, there's no common sense with this whatsoever. Last week, Eric Adams said that he's the mayor of New York, said he, he, um, he planned to roll back the vaccine mandate. Well, this has kept Kyrie from playing home games. Meanwhile, visitors who are unvaccinated can come in and play because they're leaving either immediately after or the next morning. And because Kyrie's main place of work is Brooklyn, he can't play in these home games because he's refused the, the vaccine. And even though these rules have changed, there's still a separate mandate that exists for the private sector, which includes Kyrie Irving. So uh, How confusing is this it's, for something so simple? Just for consistency's sake, it makes no sense. Or for it, common sense sake, none of it, it makes, makes no sense. any sense. And Eric Adams saying, quote, it would send the wrong message just to have an exception for one player when we're telling countless number of New York City employees, if you don't follow the rules, you won't be able to be employed. You have changed the rules over and over and over again. Change the rule that says you get fired if you don't get vaccinated. <laughs> Boom. Done. Kyrie Irving plays. Everyone else keeps their job. You go back to life. I just solved the issue for you. The problem is this damn word that I don't ever want to use again after all this over. Optics. They don't want to look like they're admitting they were wrong when in fact they were wrong. And it's bothersome. And the mayor is saying, I want to see Kyrie Irving on the court like everyone else, but I can't. You know, I got to follow the rules. I can't make an exception for one person. Change the rule that started this and get back to it. The city of New York would be for this. It's ridiculous. It's, it's so crazy, Hutton, how they'll come back and say, well, we can't do this, we can't, make any, can't change this rule, but yet rules change constantly. 
And they, they're lifting this March 7th, and he's still not eligible then based on the private sector, which restricts Irving from playing in home games, although he could enter. Um, here's the thing. He could go and watch a game unvaccinated at Barclays Center March 7th. He can't play in the game. Meanwhile, a visiting player has been able to play on that court all season, even if they're under the same guidelines that Kyrie Irving is under. That is just stupid. It's, it's stupidity. And the people, the media, and everyone else that's backing this, idiots, along with the mayor and everyone else that's trying to say that they're within these guidelines. These guidelines are, are being lifted. And for whatever reason, uh, if it's optics, if, if it's because he refused the vaccine to begin with and he's, he's stayed by that the whole time, it's just bizarre. You know, Carson Wentz was ripped to shreds and then set out five days because the NFL changed their protocol for unvaccinated players. Meanwhile, the NBA should step in um, and, and work with the city of, of New York to enable one of their one of their best players or any player to play based on the rules. They've been, they've been under these guidelines all season, and now that they're lifted, they're pointing to another rule that will keep him from, from playing for Brooklyn. It's just it's bizarre. You just shake your head at it because they're making up this stuff as they go. Lift the mandates. Just Absolutely. Li- lift the mandate. I'm watching Saturday Night Live over the weekend, and SNL does a sketch where a lot of new – it was clearly a New Yorker-type sketch where they're at dinner, and they're all slowly admitting that none of this makes sense. And it's all their heads exploding as they realize, you know, maybe some people on the, this other side of this were right all along about this when you look at what happened in England – and when you look at what happened with mass mandates versus those that didn't have mass mandates, there wasn't a big difference. And if SNL is willing to joke about this <laughs> based on what most of their comedy consists of, I think it's time we all admit the tide has turned on this and we can all erase bad decision-making. And it, again, it goes against whatever policy they had in place to begin with, the fact that another team can roll in there with five starters unvaxxed if they so choose and play. Yeah, it's, it's just a lack of common sense. What was your experience with the Nets? Oh, so uh, I placed a little money on the money line for the Nets when they were down eight uh, against Milwaukee, not knowing at the time that Kevin Durant was not playing for the Nets. And watch He's returning Ky- soon. Kyrie Irving was masterful. In that game. A lot of what I saw was from the free throw line late in the game, hitting free throws to keep Brooklyn ahead in the game. But he single-handedly led the Nets on the road against the defending champion, Bucks uh, to a win. So it was an impressive performance from a guy who can't play his home games. <laughs> I kept thinking, I'm like, it's, it's got to be odd when you join the team in Milwaukee. right? He's, he's clearly good with his teammates. I mean, there's no issues there. He plays well with them. He knows what to do. He's still a very, very good player, but he can lead the Nets to victory Milwaukee, but not at the Barclays Center. What are his life is like when he's at home, quote-unquote home? I bet it's very normal. I mean, I, 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 I mean, mean again, does he watch the team at, at Kyrie, the home games? Is again, he sitting based, with his feet up? Based on this new, new policy and the fact that the vaccine mandate has been lifted, he can go watch them in person. He can get a free ticket from the team. Yeah, they said he can and go, go and watch sit his team in the, play. in the stands with the public and watch the team play, as he should be able to do immediately and should have been able to do the whole time. 
I mean, it's 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 indefensible stupid. decision. It's just stupid, is what it is. Completely indefensible. And there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it. <laughs> and someone was joking, like, you know, as fate will have it, we will see the Sixers play the Nets in the postseason, and we'll we'll be able to see Harden return to Brooklyn, but Kyrie won't be able to play. You know, there there'll be some poetic. Uh, in, uh, unjust uh, stance on this where he won't be able to play against we'll see Harden but no one else it's all so crazy and I, I think it's just this is a good example of how nuts all of this is at this point in time I think Kyrie Irving is the perfect encapsulation of how there needs to be some common sense decision making in this and when the New York City mayor is even saying Guys, my hands are tied here. I want to see Kyrie on the floor just like everyone else at home, but I can't make one exception to the rule. Well, then change the whole rule if that's the case. Make it make sense. New York City mayor, I'm making a joke here, shouldn't be caring about the Nets. He should be caring about the Knicks. But I looked at the standings lately, <laughs> oh. and I understand why he can't be caring about the Knicks. And my God. Well, I mean, even last if you don't year like was the such Nets, a joy. They've got this super team. For the Knicks that, fans. That make them relevant. They've fallen so far, it's ridiculous, the Knicks. I thought the Knicks were like at one like three weeks ago, pretty good. Were they not? Did they're, I miss that? Last, I thought they were. Last, I mean, I know they're in last now, but based on your comments there, but I like midway through the season, were they not competitive? Every time I looked up, they were on Sports Center. I remember they won opening day, and those fans went crazy. We were watching those. Oh, videos. they have their slam dunk I wanna, champion. I want to watch that during the break now. Again, <laughs> Knicks fans getting hyped yeah. after that first game. NBA season. Kevin Durant made the wrong decision. <laughs> the. <laughs> The NBA season for me doesn't start until the postseason, but these headlines yeah, just won't be in le- it, so like won't I, I want to pull my hair out with it because it's it's the only headline worth covering right now. And Chad, we'll see it firsthand tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> I look, I I, I I said it again. I, I turned it to that game because it got interesting late, and I put just a very small bet at FanDuel on uh, the money line for the Nets. That's the reason I was watching NBA. The, the, the most interesting storylines right now in the NBA have to do with the Lakers completely falling on their face at this point. The super team that's lost five of six and is getting booed out of their own building. Dylan People, Taylor saw Russell Westbrook get booed when he went to Crypto.com Arena. Now it, the whole team is getting booed out of the building. At what point is it on LeBron? Well, I feel I mean, like this entire slide has been everything but him. It's it's never it's never going to be on him because from a player standpoint he will always get the benefit of the doubt. Well, and he's still playing because at a, he's a still nice doing so level. much. Sure. So I mean, when he's privately complaining to people on the side about I need guys getting paid to step up to step up so I don't have to carry the burden so much from league circles and players and coaches. He's going to get the benefit of the doubt. Let me urge the people of Phoenix to lose interest in the Lakers on March yeah. uh, 12th or 13th, whatever day it is I'm trying to get in the building there. You're, you're maintaining far too much interest in this game. Just take that one off. Lakers, completely disinteresting. You don't need to go. NBA ticket prices are insane. Dylan, yeah. Dylan Taylor, one of our uh, producers here with OutKick, um, went to the one of the Lakers games out in L.A. and was going through, was it StubHub or Ticketmaster, just the resale. And, you know, the, the, the cheap tickets were like $85, but you didn't even, you couldn't even see the court, right? And I think he, I don't know what he paid. I, I recommended I him. he paid 40 bucks ultimately. Yeah, to get in yeah. and then just moved around. 
Because I, I saw he, different different views. I mean, maybe he played it up perfectly. I, I, I recommend him trying to get to at least the second level minimum at an NBA arena to get the full and, and courtside. It, those cheap tickets are behind the goal up top. And it, it's pricey. And you were telling me the, the resale value right now of this game. I, there's no way that Suns-Lakers games is sold out to capacity already. 150 apiece. Crazy. That's all about... That's all about the Suns being very good and LeBron James coming to town at this point. Because the Lakers are not very good. It's the Lakers' name, it's LeBron James, and it's the Suns being great. Paul's going to pay those prices and pay no more. (laughs) Uh I'm going to pay what the market dictates, and I'm hoping the market drops a little bit. I don't think it can go up. It's a great downtown area, so you can, you know, there's plenty to eat. I think we're staying not far. You can load up, load up right before you go in. I have to, you know, spend all the. Crazy prices on concessions. We're getting in Saturday night. Game Sunday at 6. Time's out perfectly. Leaving for Grand Canyon Monday morning. Downtown Phoenix is a weird place in that I don't, I don't agree with you on that. It's a great downtown area. Well, it's, it's a very business-centric downtown and not a lot happening after business hours. But right next to the arena, there are some nice food options. Go to Marley's. At least. Marley's. Yeah. Marley's is a good spot. I'll you may see Dan stories Marley about how Dan Marley was the first professional athlete but I ever interviewed. Phoenix is one of the few places where, uh, and LA is the same way, where you go away from downtown. Everywhere you want to go out and hang out are the surrounding areas of Phoenix, much like it's different parts of LA outside of downtown. Different in that way. I, I know how to navigate. Atlanta is another place like that. Atlanta is a place you where get you away don't from downtown. The, uh, how was Marley? Ever be whenever you interviewed him, he was great. What was the feature? What was the comment for? Uh, it was for Slam Magazine, the uh, NBA's sure. magazine. And off the top of my head, I'm not remembering the angle. I did two stories. Uh, the other was like how You Magic- don't have the magazine? Surely I do. You do. I, do. Okay. I do. The other one was about how uh, Magic Johnson was supposed to uh, lead to the rise of giant point guards, but hadn't. But Marley was something separate. Marley, I think, was just about Marley. Maybe it's, it's, about, a fe- it's a feature on Dan it was Marley, a, the emergence of Dan Marley and popularity of Dan Marley. You should take that with you. Like, if you take that to Marley's, they'll probably give you complimentary tickets to go to the game. I'd rather have the... Uh, <laughs> rather have I mean, the Paul can't even tell us what it was about. I don't think he still has access to the oh, actual uh, article. He'd rather have the magazine, which he doesn't know what the feature's on. I realize no. it's your first it interview. Somewhere. But I'm saying, like, if you take it there, the original copy, and you, you know, they'd probably flip that for some tickets. You've been talking about it long enough. I loved him. When Hit us up on Twitter out. at Outkick360. NFL Combine. Uh, is it underway officially today? Yeah, there are competition committee meetings today. Tomorrow, uh, coaches and general managers begin to speak. Players don't begin to speak until Wednesday. Players aren't on the field until Thursday. Thursday through Monday, right, of next week. And we'll get all the prime time action with all the workouts. Beyond that, PK's got some some previews of things to watch going into the week in Indianapolis. He'll be there starting tomorrow, giving full coverage, and uh, we'll pick his brain when we come back about things to watch and storylines to follow on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May fifth. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. PK is headed to Indianapolis right after the show. Rest of the week, we'll be giving you coverage from Indianapolis, the NFL Combine, which will get underway this week. Uh, Mike Vrabel, uh, among other NFL coaches, will be on the program. Can we go ahead and mention the others? Arthur Smith. Arthur we'll, Smith. We'll speak and them Vrabel. into existence. Arthur Smith Arthur will be Smith on the show and Mike as well. Vrabel for sure. Looking forward to that, uh, plus much more. Paul, uh, look. As far as the the drills are concerned, I think they they certainly play a factor in why a team would choose to upgrade or downgrade a player at this stage. But ultimately, it's about the medicals, which all these players, if you're smart, you go through this at the combine. And 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 look, I'm not saying if you don't, you're you're an idiot. But I I think they do kind of they if it's a tiebreaker, you go with the medicals you know versus the medicals you don't. Um, that's first. And second, the in-person interviews. And uh, speaking of Vrabel, he's, he gave a great example of that. I was t- trying to explain it to Dockage, um, where he told on our show that the example being like a guy said, hey, I'm aggressive. He was like, excuse me? Like, yeah. in person, uh, aggressive? You don't sound very aggressive. GTFO. And they <laughs> took him off their board. Because he, you know, he, he had no aggressive mentality to the answer very, on how to say you're aggressive. A very limp handshake this, yes. this yeah. prospect gave him. Yes. Um, those are, that's one example of a way to make an impression, a bad one. But at least you get someone you know, face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and you kind of gauge where they're coming from and what their mentality is. I think, and, and we'll get to your three things, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is an interesting case here because in person, he is uh, very cocky. He's brash. He's confident. I think those are things that can play in his favor and also to his detriment this time of year. Yeah, well, some of it seemed a little phony, too. Like, we walked away from that interview we had with him Super Bowl at uh, Super Bowl Radio Row, and we're like, sounds pretty good, but how real is it? I I, I was thinking. And he was was fun, but at the same time, I made the joke, Last week, where he's already being sized for his uh, for Canton with with his with his Hall of Fame jacket, a lot of stuff to be sifted through. So uh, I had a hard time believing him at times. Yeah, I think that was the way my takeaway was. There were times where I'd look him in the eye and have an answer. I'm like, oh, this guy's legit. He's the real deal. Other times, I'm not saying he was lying. I just don't know if he believed himself. Or he believed what he was saying, and I couldn't tell if it was a joke or not. Yeah, or if he's a little bit he of saying. an actor. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah, an actor, but I, I think he believes it, but that's because things have been, and this is not his fault, things have been, have been very easy for him. Yep. I, he's dominated, no doubt he dominated high school and college. I mean, you can look at the numbers and see that, and I think he thinks he's going to walk right in and things are going to be easy. Maybe they will be, but I, I think the, the cocky confidence that he brings will turn a lot of people off. So the number one thing I'm looking for coming out of this doesn't pertain as much to the prospects as it pertains to veterans. So, so you know, we've got a, a long list of everybody in their podium times, and the, and the highlighted guys start with coaches and GMs who have quarterback questions. What's Chris Ballard going to say about Carson Wentz? 
I think it's doubtful that we're going to hear Chris Ballard stand up there and give some definitive um, support to Carson Wentz. He wasn't very definitive in his, what he said about Carson Wentz after the season was over. And since then, pretty strong report from Chris Mortensen and subsequently others about that they're looking for their next quarterback. We're going to hear from all of these GM, virtually all of these GMs and coaches who have quarterback questions about guys, Wentz is at the head of the line in terms of the yes. uncertain current guy. And then we're going to parse what he says. Well, uh, and right? they know that. And I, you're right to bring so this up. They're going to be rehearsed a little bit on I've got to hit just the right tone. I don't know, though, if he's going to worry about how he comes across. Because I think if he comes across in that same stern, direct, frustrated answer that in, in uh, press conference that he gave right after the Jacksonville loss, where the offseason was beginning before the playoffs started, I think he'll come across as a guy that we're going to parse as they're moving on. But we kind of already feel that way. But right? you also so that's now, not going to change anything. You want um, look, we don't think they're going to get much for him in a trade. Maybe they're going to cut him the cap stuff. But you want him to have like you want to make clear, hey, maybe we're moving on. But you also want him to have some valuation for some other teams. But so you got to strike the right tone there, where it's not like this is a disaster. We're giving up on him and moving on. But I think I where think, you maintain him as a backup value for somebody else at least. I think that they'll they'll find value if they create the value for themselves with him. And, and let me explain the backup value slash starter, like the the tweener is what Wentz would be for a team trading for him. You know, a bridge to the new guy or a guy that you're trying to bring in as a potential, re not replacement, but a guy that is almost in the Ryan Tannehill role leaving Miami, right? Yeah. Where you're, you've got him if you need him. Um, I'm, I'm interested on how the Colts go about this because I think the Colts, speaking of Tannehill, they have, I think they're going to have to structure something similar to what Miami did with Tannehill, where you almost pay part of that deal. Not almost, I think they will have to pay. Like the, uh, he's owed, if he's on the roster next year, he's going to make around $28 million. $15 million of that is fully guaranteed based on roster bonuses and then incentives, uh, or, or not roster bonuses and then um, things that kick in for year two of, of the contract. I think if the, the Colts going into it almost have to say, we'll pay the guarantee 15 and then the team that trades for him picks up the 13.8 or whatever it ends up being. And then, then you make it, you make it intriguing for the team picking up. They're like, Oh, we got Wentz who's owed 28 million. We've only got to pay 13. It's cap friendly. And we've got a guy who can potentially come in and get us through a portion of our rebuild. I think that's more the sell than it is at the podium tomorrow or whenever Ballard speaks is we've got to sell the league on the fact that we may keep this guy. I don't no, I don't think they have to that. do but that. But to me, this is a new stage of a new era, Chad, where previously every guy at a microphone would just talk glowingly about his guy, truthful or not. We're past that now with all of this movement that's coming. I mean, the 49ers have to say something about Garoppolo, uh, something. That's going to be more than just like we're sticking with these two quarterbacks no matter what. Um, 
the Colts have to say something. The the Steelers have to say something about the path that they're going to go to try to replace Ben Roethlisberger. There have to be more than the standard answers that traditionally have just been you might not even bother asking about the quarterback because you know the answer you're getting back is cookie cutter. Well, and some of these guys are going to surprise us and be shockingly honest about their quarterback situation and their assessment. And with everyone else, we're just simply going to parse what they don't say. Yep. They're not going to be overly like glowing about their quarterback. They're going to say things carefully. And then the discussion is going to be, boy, they really didn't go all in on Carson Wentz or on Kyler Murray, or whoever that quarterback may be. So that's going to be part of the news cycle as well. Kyler Murray, you mentioned, he's so confident that his agent put out a full-page statement. He's such a leader that he leads by his agent putting out a full-page statement today, speaking about him, not us, well, or, or you know, not first person even, but uh, I, I thought it was very weak. Yeah, we'll detail that coming up in an hour. Uh, that'll be at uh, 420 uh, this afternoon where we'll, We'll put that up and, and go through the long, lengthy agent statement. Um, look, I, I, I'm not going to be surprised if the Colts are extremely honest and if the 49ers are extremely honest. They already have been. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you go back and, What's and the watch, next step? If you watch the postseason pressers, which I have, Ballard looks as though he's, he's a general manager who realizes the plan he put in place hasn't worked and he's got to go back to the drawing board. He doesn't want to completely erase everything that's in uh, that, that's written in pen and, and start over. He doesn't have to, but I think they realized the the gamble that they took and the all in approach, the quote unquote all in approach that they took, where they gave up a first round pick for Carson Wentz, did not work. And there was some acknowledgement there and a look on his face, like yeah, the, we have a we still have a door of opportunity that we've built to. We've got to go find the guy that's going to get us there. And and while he didn't say we're out, we're done with Carson Wentz, they what they what they said was. We're, we're going to assess the quarterback position. That, that's all you really need to know. And if you're Garoppolo and if you're the 49ers, I think what the 49ers stand up there and say is, Garoppolo's been great for us. We won games with Garoppolo. We went to two, uh, we went to a Super Bowl, and we also went to a NFC Championship game. Our players love and respect him. We do as well. We're going to do everything possible to get Garoppolo in the right situation. That's how you handle it. And everyone knows that, that he's going to be traded. I think that's how you handle it, and there's no controversy surrounding it. What I don't know is how Arizona handles Kyler Murray. Like, how, how do you answer that question? How does Mike McDaniel answer the Tua Tagovailoa question? Those are more difficult. Tough. Uh, how does Josh McDaniels answer Derek Carr? Those are the more interesting ways to – because we haven't heard them answer it fully yet, Right. Now, now at the podium, they have the national media asking these questions to them instead of just the Zooms as they took the job. So my second thing here, there's no clear headliner at this, at, at this combine at all. And when there's a vacuum, there's room for somebody to, to fill it. So, you know, who wins this thing, quote unquote? And by win, I mean kind of almost from a marketing angle, uh, you know? Could be multiple guys, of course, but who, who's got the one-liner at the podium that gets replayed and replayed and replayed? Who runs the terrific 40? You know, you hear a lot about Memphis's Calvin Austin, this wide receiver who's a blazer. Who creates the biz buzz? Uh, the, big, the biz buzz. Who creates the big buzz? Who fills this void, particularly in the prime time thing? And you said it, and it's correct. The, the drills are the third most important thing out of three things that go on here, but they're also the one that's televised. 
and they're the one that we watch. We're not watching knees get checked, and we're not watching private uh, conversations between teams and players. So what we're left with is uh, broad jumps and vertical jumps and 40s and bench presses, and there's going to be hours filled on NFL Network um, and analysts talking and will be talking about the best things that, that we see. And we don't know who that's going to be. There's nobody coming in the, the same way there usually is where we're saying we, we really want to hear what Trevor Lawrence has to say here. Or we really got to see what Jadavian Clowney does here. Um, so there's a lot of room to be filled by a variety of guys, some of whom we may not know anything about at this stage. I think Malik Willis, a quarterback, is going to be interesting because he's at a program in Liberty that while they've been good and they have Hugh Freeze, a celebrity coach, as their coach, you don't see and hear a lot of interviews of Malik Willis. Kenny Pickett, for example, we saw him at the Heisman ceremony, and we know a lot more about him. Quarterback-wise, I'm interested in hearing from him and, and seeing him in Indy. The third thing, I, I think, uh, sorting out edges and tackles. Because when you do hear about the top guys in this draft, the, the names that I've read the most, you know, Aiden Hutchinson goes in ranked probably as the top edge, maybe as a top pick. Where is he with Thibodeau? Where is he with George uh, Corral? Uh, what's it? How is it? Karloftis. Karloftis from Purdue. And then the two tackles, Evan Neal. From Alabama, and he could face some pressure from North Carolina State's um, Ikern Equano, uh, uh, who's smaller, 6'4", as opposed to 6'7", but maybe more appealing to some teams. And he's supposed to be a big riser, Equano. So um, to me, I want to see how those three edges and two tackles sort out. And it seems like three or five of those guys could even be the top, you know, six picks, depending on how things sift out, depending on, on uh, you know, there's a safety that's being talked about going top four for the first time in 31. But do Hutchinson and Neal hold on to the first spots in the, in the chit-chat coming out of the combine where they are going in? Well, there's there, um, Evan and... So Evan Neal is not going to work out at the combine. So we're not. Gonna, I don't think we're going to hear a lot about him. Yeah. Um, Matt Corral is not going to throw at the combine. Yeah, so, and more people are going to drop out between now and then. And Today's the day it started to come out. But I think not. I think Malik Willis has a chance not just to show his personality, but I think he he's going to be on lists next week that are risers because he actually did something. And meanwhile, I don't know if the top quarterbacks, other than maybe him. Maybe we see Ritter. Um, Kenny Pickett could serve himself well by doing it. We're going to hear a lot about Pickett's hands. Corral, yeah. Corral's saying he doesn't, he's not going to throw into his pro day. He's Fine. waiting on his knee still. Um, yep. And um, Evan Neal is not going to work out until his pro day. That's fine. Uh, Derek Stingley, a corner from LSU, is not going to work out until the pro day. I think that we'll see more of this. And, and because of that, especially the quarterback position, I think the big winner before he even touches a football there is going to be Malik Willis because he's going to be the first round type guy that's actually going to work out and be on national TV. No, guys, guys will gravitate to yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's going to gravitate to the quarterbacks no matter if if they're not going to go until uh, double digits 
or spill into the 20s or not. Another big story is Stingley, whose, whose name you mentioned there, was superb in 2019 and not superb since 2019. People, uh, you know, I've read a lot of the national guys already talking about how much weight does that film have when it's aged for two years as compared to guys who maybe played better last year, but still their film from last year isn't as good as him against DK Metcalf, him against AJ Brown from two years ago. And so he's going to be answering a lot and you know, he's going to be well rehearsed on what happened in the meantime. Well, one of we the issues, one a, of the issues was bit. he, he was hurt, but then tried to play through it for a couple of weeks and ultimately shut it down. Hurt so himself. I think that benefits him. I mean, it, it hurts him on the tape, but I think that can be explained this past year. And I'm not saying the every game, every snap, he was hurt. Um, but th- there was like a two-week span where he was trying to play, and then they decided to shut it down. And this was uh, these were games where LSU was right on the fringe of trying to keep their season alive, and then uh, they went on that losing streak, and they they shut him down. I um, I can't explain last year, but you know the year prior is what ended up getting you know players around him drafted. And he's the freshman that's starting, and he's got upperclassmen that are getting drafted around him, and he's the like the prize guy in the top ten of the draft at the time. When he's playing with Fulton and uh, against Chase, right? Yes, I mean he he was the he was the star uh, as the freshman, and now we get to see him in this draft. Um, you know, it's I, I think the the interview process is going to be interesting uh, because. Where uh, these aren't going to be household names. It's offensive line and, and pass rush. And some of the pass rushers are either really quiet guys from the Big Ten who maybe you know, but you haven't heard from, or they're West Coast guys who are vocal, but you never watch play. Yeah, it lacks sizzle going in, right? And I, don't, I, I mean, like I said, the vacuum will get filled with something, but I don't know that it's going to be the, the sizzle of years past. It, it'll have sizzle because it's the draft and everybody's excited about the draft. But it's not going to be a Johnny Manziel caliber sizzle but isn't or that, Jadevian Clowney level sizzle. Isn't that what this is for, though? I mean, we're now creating up. hype around guys we don't know as much about. Yeah. Like that's sort of yeah, the setup for this. But that's not the setup going in. I mean, every uh, in recent draft, I mean, even last year, we, we you knew there was a chance we could see four or five quarterbacks go in the first round. And now you're asking, will we even see one guy in the top ten? So that, I think the quarterback class plays a huge factor in this and the fact that at the top of the draft, you've got franchises who already have their – well, I say already have. They believe they have their answer at quarterback. So it takes that question out and it leaves structurally offensive or defensive line, which traditionally don't create a whole lot of buzz. The media, though, to Chad's point, will find a way to create that buzz this week. But going into it, there's not a lot of that sizzle reel aspect. Um, maybe it, it, even at wide receiver, there's really not that, that well, much. At wide receiver, it's judged that there's not like a Jamar Chase top 10 guy. But like if you're in the middle of the first round or later, you can find something that, that you love. I think somebody said like 19 first three round guy, first three round worthy picks as opposed to an average of 16 over the last couple of years. I think that's the number I read from Daniel Jeremiah or somebody like that. So lots of really good wide receivers for the first three rounds, just not somebody that's a knock your socks off top 10, top five 
guy. And that's that's kind of the case, Chad. Uh, we'll see the wide receiver, tight end. I mean, there's not that household tight end group. Um, the skilled positions don't have that huge star power impact going into it. And it really does feel, remember that a lot of people comparing it to 2013, EJ Manuel yeah. was a force by the Bills as the first, uh, first quarterback. He didn't go till 16. So we've talked about like ultimately a quarterback's going to go somewhere in the top 10 and stuff. But usually I think even before the combine, there starts to be somebody that creeps up and you start to hear buzz about. That hasn't happened. Well, think about it. Well, Jacksonville's not going to draft a quarterback. Detroit's not. I don't think they're drafting a quarterback. Um, Houston's not drafting a quarterback. Jets aren't drafting a quarterback. Jets and Giants aren't drafting quarterbacks. Again, at least I don't expect them to. Uh, Carolina, uh, maybe, but, you know. Well, the big news would be a Pittsburgh or someone trading up. Higher in the I, draft I think than you, we expect. I think to get you a quarterback. get to Atlanta at eight before you put quarterback on the table. Um, the Giants have two top ten picks, so maybe they could trade out, and that's how you could get in front of Atlanta. But Denver, Seattle—I mean, Denver potentially could. Washington is there at eleven, and, and then you get into some other—you get to the high water where you start to think, okay, new head coach, are they about to draft their new guy? But this doesn't feel like that type of draft. No, and um, all it these feels like a draft where if, if you use it, it's more like the Titans at twenty six, where you use a pick to develop a player and, and have the veteran about in 2023. place. Yeah, yeah. and uh, all those teams you mentioned are, I imagine, going to be players for, you know, if not the top top guys here, then the second tier of guys, the Garoppolo uh, type of type of guy, who's certainly better with the, than what they have. Um, you know, not a knock your socks off guy, but a guy that can get you to a place of stability. And there's always Chad too that just playing off of what the Titans did with the Rams for Goff. The, the Rams traded up for Goff. The Titans weren't in a position where they wanted to draft because they had Mariota. Um, so they traded that pick. There's not a number one caliber quarterback that Jacksonville or Detroit's willing to trade out of to 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 that would draw the top dollar in order to move up and get your guy. Like, you're, you're not going to draft a, Aiden Hutchinson. You're not going to trade what you would trade for Trey Lance last year Aiden to Hutchinson. go get Aiden Hutchinson. It's a big game of chicken for some team that's going to fall in love with one of these quarterbacks to sit there and call the bluff of everyone that they're not going to trade up to get them and that they're not going to take a quarterback. Yeah, but you might go to six Someone's going to fall in love with to, someone. You ain't going to one. No, no, absolutely. But I'm saying if you wait past six to eight, let's say Atlanta at eight, if you're Pittsburgh – you're risking losing the guy that you really and want. Aiden Hutchinson looks like a very good player, right? Yes. But he's probably more Ryan Kerrigan than he – I mean, he certainly isn't Chase Young or Miles Garrett, right? No, he's he's more all-effort type dude. Right. And he's he may be better than Ryan Kerrigan, but he is straight effort. I mean, But he's closer to Ryan J- Kerrigan than he is to Chase Young. J.J. Watt is also Garrett. all effort, you know, and he's dominant. He's, he's, but it's the wrong year to have a great pick. For sure, unless – well – Probably. To have a great pick that you're willing to trade out of. Yeah. Uh, if you've got but your still, quarterback, you're in a great position to get the best player in the draft. That, that's how I would view it for Jacksonville. But I don't know if they're capable of making the right call. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll right. See. But if I say you could have the top pick last year or next year or this year, this year comes in third. 
Yeah, which is bizarre because it's also the deepest, quote-unquote, deepest draft based on the COVID rules. Yeah, you'd like to have a lot of picks this year, a lot of mid-round picks. You had an extra year given to a lot of these players that are now draft eligible. Coming up, a quick fair or foul. Bruce Pearl is back in Knoxville, and so was a family member who complained about the Vols. That's next on OutKick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Time for some fair or foul. You can respond at Outkick360 as we roll on from 6th and Peabody with Yaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. So the Vols beat Auburn this past weekend at Thompson Bowling Arena. Bruce Pearl uh, losing for the first time in seven tries against the Vols. Tennessee's not had success against their former head coach. They did on Saturday, and Jackie Pearl tweeted out post-game, Chad, he says, I'm not going to say much about the game because I won't take anything away from Tennessee and how they played, but what I experienced today from, quote, Vols fans was abhorrent. I expect more, sorry, I expected more from the place we gave our lives to and the place I once loved. She sent this out on the 26th, so this was two days ago, Saturday evening around 9.30. May I weigh in? Please. Yes. Um, this is a message to any relative of a head coach in a major university or professional team. Um, when it comes to commenting on fans or fan practices, GTFO. Don't post it publicly. Don't say a word. I would say the same to Bruce Pearl's wife. I'd say the same to Stephen Pearl, who's on the Auburn staff. This is an area you will never, ever win. And when you say you gave your life... To Tennessee, <laughs> Tennessee gave an awful lot to Bruce Pearl also. An awful lot to Bruce Pearl. And Tennessee fans continue to give to Bruce Pearl. They love the guy. They want to be the coach every time Rick Barnes loses a game. <laughs> they talk about Bruce Pearl. So don't talk about we gave our life. Last time I checked what Tennessee gave you, I believe you went to school there, and I believe they also allowed you to sing the national anthem about 37 times while your daddy was the head coach. So I wouldn't go in because you had a few people yelling some things at you that you didn't like and make it about a terrible experience at Thompson Bowling Arena. That was a great atmosphere at Thompson Bowling Arena. I'm not sitting here advocating for people to yell awful things at you or Bruce Pearl, but you're never going to win when you post things like this, ever. Chances and go are, look at the comments after that post, yeah. and you'll see what I'm talking about. Chances she are since had four posts about that post. Since oh. then, because of the comments. You, you go on the road in any major conference, you're going to take some shrapnel, especially if they, I mean, if they know who you are. They, that's just part, like, it, it's... Look, I, and I don't, I don't care about, I don't it's, care about it's, this. It's the this atmosphere is, of it. This is also not me. I, I've been around the Pearl family at games. They're not quiet. Bruce Pearl is a huge personality. Yes. Let me tell you something. He's not quiet ever. And his family is very much the same way. I'm not saying they're being disrespectful, but I guarantee you Jackie Pearl did not sit there on her hands and was quiet also. These type of altercations happen 
with loud, passionate people. And I'm not saying she did anything wrong. She has every right to go into that arena and cheer for her dad and her brother and that Auburn team, just like Tennessee fans have every right to want to end the losing streak to Bruce Pearl and say a lot of things on his way out of the arena when they beat him. But if you're going to be loud about it, you're going to hear back. So you have to pick your approach going in, and you have to know if you're loud, you're going to hear loud back. Lots of people go in there, and they're perfectly quiet in this situation. They try to be understated. They don't dress particularly loudly in the opposing team's colors, and they kind of tiptoe in and out, and they get less, a lot less. Kelly Stafford threw a hot dog or a pretzel at some girl (laughs) at a game and talked about it, and she got slammed for it, and she had to come out and apologize. My only point is here, this is a free country. You can do and say what you want, but when you post that on social media and you are the daughter of the former head coach who got paid handsomely and was loved in a place and who broke the rules, received way too much of a a penalty for breaking those rules. If he did it today, nothing would happen. I, I acknowledge all of that, but broke the rules and got the program put on probation and got fired because he got a show cause in the NCAA, especially when those factors are in there. Yes. You're never going to win posting about abhorrent fan behavior when you go back to that <laughs> arena. Just don't do it. This is, that's the end of my PSA for all family members of coaches. I, I find it foul unless you're going to specifically say what was Post done. a video. Specifically Someone say yelling awful done. things at you and you get them on video – then maybe it's a little bit different. But I'm also not advising people to take out their phone every time they're in an argument and film someone yelling at them. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know, fair or foul. Coming up, 360 headlines, including the big success at Nissan Stadium and more coaches under fire next.